0: Everyone, (laughs) taking my pause to take you all in as we prepare for uh, sitting together. As we uh, sit together in this spacious presence, I'm reminded of the beautiful phrase I offered you last week from Padra Otuma about in the shelter of each other. The people live in the shelter of each other. We sit together. Our sitting together is the embodied enactment of that shelter, and a spacious pause allows us to settle into it, um, but also open as it. Do you find some place in you which has this willingness, the willingness to take your time and settle into this shared opening? Maybe in doing so you touch a bit of vulnerability, which might feel unusual or uncomfortable. Just breathing into that space. Noticing not only what you meet, but also Maybe the edges in which you, some parts of you might want to turn away or deny what you meet. There's nothing to get rid of or change just to welcome it all. and not identify with anything that arises and yet not distance yourself either. Settle, rest with what's natural and nourishing. just breathing with a very light touch. such a gentle pause and a light touch is a reminder to rest in body time and time of spirit rather than clock time or and this body time is so natural and generous the qualities of patience and curiosity to rest a kind of yielding, allowing. Whatever your experience, and to whatever degree you can begin to settle this gentle way, into natural body time, you, you might notice, you feel your way into a deeper resonance of kindness and care, both for yourself and for those around you, or if not, to feel the kindness and care that might be coming from others. Simply breathing in this steady practice, uh, constancy of just sitting. Do you find that you're better able to tolerate this receptive, quiet stillness? you may not notice how it shapes you. So that when you step into activity, expressing yourself in the world, as you do things with each other, something moves in a, in a quite a different way. Even though, as we sit together, it seems like maybe nothing is happening. But if we don't engage in this shared, soft willingness, to take the time to feel our way into this natural rhythm of just breathing and sitting together. We don't notice what what's really truly life-giving, maybe life-saving. So easy just to keep moving forward. Simulating the intimacy we actually long for. But remaining hungry. this simple light touch of just sitting and breathing together, the shelter we create together. is what all the practice is about. Just appreciating our life, living out our life fully and generously with everything that comes with it. And we're always doing this. There's no other way. You're always yourself. But without practice, we only can't really realize the beauty and fullness of who and what we really are. What life is asking of us, what it's giving us. This great mystery that has just lived out as everydayness. This, this is it, This. this is it. In chanting the verse of the robe, we're reminded of the foundations of our practice and its fruit. When we say, vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. harmonizing all being. I remember in the last, especially in the last few years, of Ron Kurt's life, um, the creator of the Hakomi Method. <clears throat> I spent a lot of, t- of time with him uh, here and there um, in those last years and he would talk more and more about uh, what he called waiting and loving presence when he was with someone uh, in that sort of uh, sphere of, of kindness, he would pause, I'm calling it pausing, he called it waiting, with some confidence that what was needed would appear, um, what would emerge from the person that could be met or something that might be needed. Not not an answer to a problem or um, not waiting for some clever management strategy or a quick defense, that kind of coping, but in the space of pausing and loving presence, which we actually practice every time we sit zazen, um, we get to begin to see more, more deeply the, the truth of the moment, uh, uh, which is a little conceptual, but actual body and our breath, our thoughts and our feelings, our stories we're living by. Um, we before last when I was teaching in the at the Cape Cod Institute, we were talking about applied mindfulness and studying the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And what I just said was really the Four Foundations of Mindfulness that the Buddha taught <clears throat> our body and our breath and our inclinations of what we're drawn to and we're pulled back from our feelings, our thoughts, our stories. And for a long time, you know, I didn't understand what Ron was talking about when he would just sort of wait. Um, <laughs> kind of, it, humorously, I thought, well, you know, he's just getting old and he wants to just sit there with the person. But now I appreciate what he was showing me. And it's actually what I was commenting on last week and this week as well. And what he was modeling. And I think it took age and some uh, experience um, for me to live my way into uh, what he was teaching, at least in that regard. And that's always the way it is actually with the dharma and with dharma teachers that these things unfold more fully and without end because the dharma continues uh, we can always go deeper further if we practice steadily constancy and as i was putting together a few things a few notes uh, to speak from today i realized I am now the age he was, when he began emphasizing this spacious presence and pausing and waiting. Once again, not looking for a particular experience, but just making space for life to express itself through every part, every moment, and with an immense confidence that what would move into that space is what's needed. What else could happen? About the same time uh, that I met uh, Ron, and a few years after I started more formal practice at San Francisco Zen Center, I went to the first Buddhism in America conference, which was in Boston, it was 1997. And one of the people that I got to see that then it was the only time I was able to ever see her. Um, I can't think. Chris has spent some more time with her. Uh, but Tony Packer. Um, and and listen to listen to Tony's words. It was remarkable to be with her. Um, she actually physically looked a lot like Joko, which was interesting. Um, here here's here's some of Tony's words. She said. And, and, and listen to this with the ear of what I've been saying the last, last week and, and this week. She said, I don't think in terms of having experience anymore. I don't think in terms of having experience anymore. Things just happen. Rain is dripping softly, which it is right here, right now. The heart is beating. There's breathing. In out, in and out. There's quiet listening. Openness, emptiness, nothing. Enlightenment? How lethal it is to attach a label. Then you become somebody. At the moment of labeling, aliveness freezes into a concept. My enlightenment experience. To be alive, fully alive, she says, means flowing without hindrance, a vulnerable flow of aliveness with no resistance, without needing to think about myself, what I am, and what I will be. And then her, the final statement in this, it was very interesting. It kind of stopped me, is what caught me. It said, our experience mongering is a form of resistance in time, Our grabbing of experience is a form of resistance in time. And for those of you that don't know much about Tony, um, this is interesting because at the, toward the end of her life, she, if, you, if you were to ask her what she did, she called what she did meditative inquiry. It's the same same term that I use. And she founded um, the Springwater Center in, in New York, but she started out as a student in the Sambukyodon lineage of Zen Buddhism, which is a, a kind of a light lineage, actually, using koan study and many wonderful teachers in that lineage. Um, and she then found her way to the Rochester Zen Center uh, and became a senior student of Philip Kaplow, who wrote the Three Pillars of Zen. Some of you are familiar with that book, and was set to be his successor, actually. Uh, But she was born in 1927, as during the rise of the Nazi party in Germany. And at some point, her family moved to Switzerland, uh, where she later met her husband, Kyle Packer in 1950. And then they moved to the US. It's a much more complicated story, but... And was and practiced diligently and was to succeed Kaplo. Uh, but she ended up stepping away from the f- formal Zen tradition in which she trained and began teaching in a style that was less traditionally Japanese. She even dropped the word Zen from Springwater Zen Center, and it just became the Springwater Center for meditative inquiry. Uh, she died in August of 2013. She was another one of these remarkable, remarkable women. Um, And I sort of resonate with with many of these things, obviously, and the direction uh, that she went. As always, whenever I'm giving these reflections, um, I include sometimes surprising things that that come to me uh, as I'm trying to sort out my my thoughts. And this was, um, I'm going to read something that, came from uh, the Everyday DormaSource uh, <clears throat> Instagram. <clears throat> and this is a feed from uh, two of my friends, uh, Devin and Nico Hase, H-A-S-E. Um, Devin and Nico were living in Hawaii when Aaron and I moved here. Uh, Nico was finishing his PhD internship in Hawaii. His um, doctoral internship and Devin was teaching, um, and part of Nico's time he was here on Molokai, and uh, they lived on uh, on Oahu. But <clears throat> we got to be very close, and they were writing a book. In fact, they sometimes used this room uh, for a little writing retreat to finish their book. And they're young young people um, writing for uh, Gen X and Gen Z and all those other generations that um, in a different way. And they're Their book, which they published through Shambhala, uh, the the main title is, How Not to Be a Hot Mess, which, interestingly, was released and came to publication in March of 2020. So their entire marketing, uh, their book tour, everything they had in place, collapsed. And instead, they went on a solitary retreat, actually apart as a couple, in Forest, in Oregon, set up and went into retreat for a year. One full year. And this week, this is one of the things they posted on their Instagram feed. I don't know what the Dharma is anymore. In fact, the more I practice, the less I know and less important knowledge is to me, I can say there is presencing. And that presencing is also an absence. And that absence is what we really are, a kind of primordial beingness. This is freedom. Whatever hinders, whatever binds that absence, We need to recognize that, let it go, work it through, then rest in this presencing all over again and again and again until we're emptied out and also thoroughly full. Isn't that lovely? And it's so, I I love these very young teachers with this vibrant understanding of what, at the end of her life, Joko was echoing to us and Blanche and and Tony and, and what we're about. I couldn't believe when I began to read, I don't know what the Dharma is anymore. In fact, the more I practice, the less I know and the less important knowledge is to me. But I can say there is this presencing, this presencing. Another echo back from Tony. She said, the emergence and blossoming of understanding, love and intelligence, has nothing to do with any tradition, no matter how ancient or impressive. It has nothing to do with time. It happens completely on its own when a human being questions, wonders, listens, and looks without getting stuck in fear, pleasure, and pain. When self-concern is quiet, in abeyance, heaven and earth are open. The mystery, the essence of all life is not separate from the silent openness of simple listening. Once again, it's almost poetic. It's the same message which we bring to inquiry. The emergence and blossoming of understanding doesn't is not captured by any tradition. And yet these traditions carry it on. And practicing the traditions fully helps us realize that. In another interview with Tony, uh, she was being asked by um, Helen Torkov, who is the um, editor of Tricycle at the time. She said, you did all this formals in practice. Like, was that a mistake? And she said, heavens, no. It was necessary. When she says here it that this opening happens completely on its own when a human being questions, wonders, listens, and looks, that's our practice. And then she goes on, without getting stuck in fear, pleasure, and pain, Well, that's easy to say, but aren't we all captured in fear, pleasure, and pain all the time? When self-concern is quiet, having self-concern in abeyance is easier said than done. It's easier understood than lived. And she says, when that's in abeyance, heaven and earth are open. Well, heaven and earth are always open. It's never closed. That's one of the things that, for example, I think in good, uh, like like Ed's photography, you see, he can show you heaven and earth are open all the time, but without a steady and committed practice, we don't realize it, we don't see it. The mystery can seem far away. I'll draw on an old ancestor since I also was drawing on these young folks. At the end of a summer practice period, about this time of the year, in 1249, uh, Dogen wrote this poem. This is English translation, of course, but, in seeking for Buddhahood through Zen practice, have no designs on becoming a Buddha. If you practice Zen by designing a Buddha, Buddha becomes increasingly estranged. When the tile is shattered and the mirror vanishes, where is your face? Whereupon we understand that reaching here requires some effort. So that those first sentences about, if you're struggling to try to become a Buddha, then you're going to be estranged from it because now you're trying to make something that is already here. It's, you're trying to create the unconditioned. Buddha becomes increasingly estranged. And then he refers to an old story, which some of you may be familiar with, between Matsu and Nanyue, his teacher. Um, when the tile is shattered and the mirror vanishes, where's your face? You know this story? It's just briefly... Um, and Matsu was practicing very diligently, and uh, his teacher came in and, and asked him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm sitting zazen. And he said, why are you sitting zazen? And he said, well, to become a Buddha. And he said, oh, okay. And then anyway, went over in the corner, and there was a broken tile from the roof, that, and he got the t- two pieces of tile, began to rub them together, which was a great irritation to Matsu, who was sitting. And Matsu said, what, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm trying to make a mirror. He said, well, how can you make a mirror by polishing a tile? And his teacher said, how can you make a Buddha by sitting zazen? So Dogen's sentence, when the tile is shattered and the mirror vanishes, where, your, where are you? Thereupon, we understand that reaching here, which is always here, actually requires some effort. But the effort isn't to create something to realize something, to open to something. Finally, Tony says, awareness cannot be taught. And when it's present, it has no context. All contexts are created by thought and are therefore corruptible by thought. Awareness simply throws light on what is without any separation whatsoever. Awareness, your awareness, the awareness, awareness is always aware, always. If you know you're thinking, then it's awareness that reflects this ordinary fact. It's not a problem that we think. It can be a habit to get lost in concepts and stories without realizing it. and believing our constructions, rather than risking the intimacy of each moment, just as it is, that's where we bring our effort. But not to create something, and to realize the fullness of what's here all the time. So whether they're, Ancient teachers from the 13th century or wonderful creative teachers bursting out of the bounds of even tradition in this last century, or young teachers dedicating themselves in really remarkable ways to practice now. It's the same message, it's the same message. And Tony's saying, look, listen, question. That's what inquiry is about. So what are your questions? What is it that you're seeing? What is it that you're curious about or surprised about? Sue?
1: Hi, Flint. Um, I guess I'm most surprised about how reaffirmed, I feel, by the things you've been saying the last two weeks. Um, I hear people talk about this, and I hear them talk about that, and I hear them using this term, and they use that term, and they these kinds of things. And I think, oh, I don't get that. I don't understand it. Um, I, I don't know what they're going for. And, you know, I just kind of put myself down because mm, I'm not flinging those terms and I'm not um, kind of doing what a real bodhisattva ought to be doing. And, oh, you know, I just, you know, how those things go that you never quite feel like you measure up, that there's always things lacking. and. I just thought, well, you're kind of <clears throat> lazy. That's what the trouble is. You're just lazy. You're just letting it come at you and you need to go for it. Go for it. And I don't. I don't need to go for it. I can just sit there.
0: It's here. I'm here. I'm here. And- so, yeah, people- I can- people- people go for you.
1: Um yeah. Yeah. we will find you. Yeah, it, it will. And I don't know. I just sort of feel like um, I'm more aged than you are.
0: Yeah, you've got another decade on me, don't you? I
1: got another decade on you, kiddo. <laughs> and,
0: um, and also, what what level did you teach mostly?
1: Well, I or taught... Personal. I taught first through
0: fifth grade. Right, right. But primary school and some early. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think if this has nothing to do with knowledge or intelligence, but, mm-hmm. the, but the real thing is if you can't express the Dharma at a level that those kids would understand, mm-hmm. then it's too complicated.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: um, that's what we rely on you for sometimes. Yeah. It's and
1: exactly it, it turned out that when I was a docent at the art museum, I gave tours that were just about the same for grade school children and adults. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of sneaky. Or, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, is there enough meat in that, but it was just there for
0: them. That's where the aliveness is for all of us and the child.
1: Yeah, and I, I always kind of, I mean, it, it just, it just happened. It was just the way I had to do it, and
0: it's so quite nice. Today, today you're feeling affirmed.
1: Yes, yes. Good. And thank you. It's Good. just wonderful to be here with everybody and sit here and.
0: Um and be here I'll, I'll tell you just a piece of a what to me was a dear s- story from the retreat that uh we did i keep calling it a retreat it was supposed to be a seminar but and Cape <laughs> uh and uh, without revealing anything particular um that feeling that you expressed of i don't know what these people are talking about i don't get what you know that place you can come to there was a, a woman in the retreat about the second or third day said something similar. Uh, and she wasn't, it wasn't challenging in any kind of uh, aggressive way. It was just, uh, <clears throat> and, and we, we talked a little bit and kind of played a little bit. And the more she spoke, the more it was clear that she actually was receiving the essence without worrying about the, um, the intellectual part. And I said, <clears throat> I'm having the strangest impulse or thought, and I, and she said, what's that? And I said, are you familiar with a um, the s- song that I can't, I think it comes from, um, oh, I forget now which play, it just went out of my head, but anyway, uh, I could have danced all night,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: so, you know, you know, and so, I said, because what I experienced, there's some kind of <laughs> longing, there's a longing for the dance, Yeah. Not, uh-huh. so we, we let it go, you know, it was fun and all that. But later on, I thought, oh, I have that music on my computer. So when people come back from a break, I could put it on. It'd be a nice way to enter and just, you know, listen to some music. And so I had it on and people came in and then she suddenly heard it. And I, I didn't anticipate this, but she looked at me and said, do you want to dance? and i said of course and so we did and that was the dharma activity which i think was most effective then with with her and for her and it was her request yeah she she later uh, kind of forgot that she requested it and thought that i did something but it was interesting (laughs) but it's that that embodied uh, that longing and finding the way to let the dharma flow however it is So anyway, thank you for letting me tell the story because it was a a
1: wonderful story. Thank you.
0: Thank
1: you very much.
0: Frances has her hand up. You're still muted. There you go, Frances. Um,
3: I don't have anything new to add. I was, like Sue, feeling relieved with your talk, but I'll tell you, Sue's Sue's comments just brought me joy. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I loved what she said. Uh, I related so much to it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's all I wanted to say was just that I already was feeling uh, somewhat relieved about my own practice uh, from what you said. But after she Reaffirmed it in the way that she did it was just it was just beautiful that's
0: all yeah it's that that strange paradox that says there's nothing to do, it's all right here, and it's, it was interesting
3: that she her
0: it's really important to put a good bit of effort into this not doing it. i mean it's a paradox you know?
3: yeah, yeah, and trust and to trust that that's uh. It. And knowing after she said she'd been a teacher, as, as you know, I was, that's education is my, is my area too. And I think we are, we, we keep pushing that there's something else we should know. There's something else we should do. There's a, an accomplishment we should make or make sure somebody else is making. So anyway, it was, it was very beautiful. Thank you.
0: And there are moments in the outside world where that it is important to know things and accomplish things that that's useful. But we're talking about spiritual practice, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: which is um, sets us in a different direction, not in opposition, because that direction helps us when we do step back into the world and need to express ourselves and to know things.
2: And
3: And there is something very lovely about being 70 and beyond (laughs) that gives us, I think, I mean, I'm just discovering that there's an opening that hasn't been there before.
0: That's right. And that's one of the reasons I brought in the reflections of those younger teachers, because it's the same teaching and it's how it flows through someone who's 40 years old and said, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. And then we'll see what they're teaching when they're 70 or 80.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Thank
2: you. Uh, aloha. Um... <laughs>
0: hey, I have that shirt.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got a plane flight over to Molokai early today, took it out of your closet, and here I am. Uh, that was it. <laughs> just in keeping with the tradition of, of things in threes, um, I just wanted to be that third echo of, of saying thank you for the depth of clarity of what you've said today and for the embedded uh, encouragement that was there with everything. Um, that's it, thank you very much.
0: But that's also why I, d- I made that one comment about your, your photography, because I think it's one of the things that, um, you're a skillful photographer on many levels, but one of the things that you do in some of your, I don't know what to call it. Your, it's not right to call it Zen photography or practice but there's a different, it's the way that you see, and the way it's not just the way you see; it's way, what you invite by the images that you make. You're actually inviting people into the space that we're talking about, and using imagery and then your words and those beautiful uh, poems to do that. Thank you. And as we've talked before, um, I'm that I'm I'm that conduit. It's
2: being that conduit. Um, you
0: can't uh, you can't help yourself you can't not do
2: it <laughs> yeah i can't not do it i'm an addict <laughs>
0: uh, well uh, but but you know it's it's different because um it's i understand what you're saying yeah. and, and addiction of course isn't grasping but this is because you don't grasp of mm. uh, that you can't help it because it's flowing through you and wh- why would you want to do anything else exactly you're being used by the universe exactly you're, a, you're a, a clearer and clearer function and people are recognizing it these days and asking you to come forward because you are well, again thank, thank you Now, to that <laughs> <laughs> thanks ed Ms. darcy
4: hey flint hey everybody
0: you'll, you'll following so I... friend from <laughs> i a you so? friend, Ed, from the retreat. <clears throat> yeah.
4: So I actually just got back from another sort of retreat. Um, and I, I, I feel relief from hearing you talk today because there, there's some stuff working in me. At this retreat, um, there was a woman who led meditation in the mornings, which I hadn't expected. And her practice is centering prayer, but she drew in lots of different faith traditions and it was absolutely lovely. And I couldn't believe I heard myself saying to to myself, and I think I said it to my sister, that if there was some sort of, um, if there were a spiritual director like that where I lived, I might go back to Christianity <laughs> yeah. and, and I just it, it just sort of stirred this longing which I think was already there and I know has already been there of um, wanting everybody to just come together you know
0: Yeah, and the shelter of each other yeah. And live.
4: It's, yeah. It's it's like it's no difference here. And I just so want to share that. And I feel like I don't know how, you know, because some it, of the. Yeah. Right now, I do it. I do it. Um, it's
0: it's interesting it's because one of the strong, strong, strong ways you are teaching recently is in the way that you're responding, of course, to the loss of Kib. I, I, that's either her teaching or you teaching or forget the you and she. Because something's moving more deeply. Um, and it's irresistible. I mean, you can't, you can't really have a defense against it.
4: What did you say? I have a defense against.
0: There's no defense. When I'm around you, I have no defense against the way that you come forward. Because it's real, and direct, and raw, and powerful, and immediate. Yeah. And it's the only thing that Kev believed. She didn't have any tolerance for bullshit.
4: No. And I don't either anymore. And... I don't have it in myself. So sometimes that results in this just, I'm just very real, you know, but I also don't have it in other people. And when divisions are made that just shouldn't be made, I don't know what to do about that, you know? Mm No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then not knowing what to do is the space space that's made i don't know what to do yeah. sometimes we'll jump to some resistance or criticism or anything just to have something to do to, to where to put that energy but, but our practice is to help us become the container to hold it so that we don't make things worse we don't yeah. contribute to the division and with some faith <laughs> some deep confidence that it will move somehow
4: that stood out among your words today was confidence is a part of this space which i'm definitely learning to do that and confidence that what is needed will move into it rather than this thought i have this thought that i need to be able to explain it like you know
0: and that's um, the whole difference that we're talking about here. Instead of explaining, me explaining to you or we turn side by side and look together. Yeah.
4: Anyway, it's uh, definitely hitting home for me and I appreciate what you had to say today. I wish, and there's this part of me that's saying, I wish I could say it like that.
0: Yeah, you're saying it like you say it. Yeah, I'm telling you that goes into me. This is a little intellectual. You know what the etymology, the basis of the word explain is. Explain means to lay out flat, like a map, like lay it out. And I heard James Stillman, a psychoanalyst, union analyst, one time say, "We don't need to explain things." And this is interesting from the story I just said. He said, we need to get, I, ex, no, not explain ideas, get them up and dance with them. Yes. Engage them with aliveness. Yes. investigate and have fun and see where the energy is. Not explain, not lay it out flat. Yes. That's, right. that's,
4: the, that's the part that I'm drawn to. And I have appreciated with Sue and others talking today.
0: And yeah. even in your art. Yes. Thank you, Darcy, for embodying it, so.
1: Rosemary is next, and then
2: Chris. Okay. Hi, Flint. So um, I loved your bringing back the sheltering idea, that we're here sheltering each other. And um, you asked, well, what are we curious about? I've never come forward without some story, some, something that I'm thinking about. And that's what I'm curious about. What happens when I don't? That's right.
0: It's an occupational hazard of us therapists, isn't it?
2: Definitely, plus, plus personality.
0: Earth plus personality, that's right, that's right. And it's been useful. You're just noticing that there is not something in contra, you know, opposed to that, just something more available. You Just rest in the present moment. Breathe like that. Let yourself see that I can see you and that you see me. And one of the things that you might miss We could go on and on about this, of course, but one thing you might miss is the impact that you have on me, because you're often focusing on the impact I have on you.
2: When I talk, you respond and all of that.
0: You matter to me. Practicing with you over time changes me. This is happening between us. And just sit with that and let yourself have confidence. It doesn't require you to become anything or do anything or achieve anything. We each contribute to this awakening that's shared That's the shelter.
2: It's um, so I, I wish my hand could go over to your side. I'm going <laughs> sure. it's a, uh, you know, and I feel
0: it because I know you well and I got to be with you recently. So I'm still in, you know, yeah. Let's just rest with that.
2: That's enough.
1: Take that with me.
0: Good. Please do. I'll take it with me, too. Thank you. Hey, Chris.
2: Hi. Hi. Well, that was lovely with you and Rosemary. I I thought I would um, tell a quick story about <clears throat> Tony. Oh, please, yes. Because the first time that I. Um, Went on a one-week uh, retreat with her. I was coming from years of very strict Zen practice, where if you didn't show up for sitting, someone came and got you, you know, if you to make sure you weren't dead. But but if you weren't dead, you were going to be on your cushion. Yeah.
0: And this was a monastic setting you were in.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I went to Tony. I, I left that for various reasons, and I went to Tony's, and they had sittings that were more optional and less optional. So, and it was totally, totally confusing to me. And so there were times when Tony would be there and then there would, we would know that and everybody would show up. And when she didn't, hardly anybody would show up. And there were many times I would come and sit by myself. And, and then I watched myself go through this whole judgment thing. You know, how, where are they? How come they're not showing up? And then, of course, I fell right through the whole Zen hole, right? Because I was trying to be a Zen student. Mm-hmm. And, and I just fell through all the things um, that propel us. And then what I ended up with at the end, through the many times that I, I was sitting alone, was that I missed the presence of others. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't the rule you know, that I missed. It wasn't the obedience. Um, I just it felt better when there were other people. And that was the most simple that it was. Yeah. But I had to go through all that first. You mm-hmm. know, just, yeah.
0: Absolutely. It's not dissimilar to the story that in this particular interview I mentioned that Tony tells about her own practice. Mm-hmm. She said it was beautiful and I loved it. And the discipline and the, the robes were gorgeous and all that, it was useful so that I, I could take that to its limit and learn what it did teach me and come away with a sense of, oh, that's, it's all about connection. It's all about the deep seeing. But that helped, that was a vehicle to, and, and people have different vehicles, like, um, you know, Darcy was saying, it doesn't have to be that vehicle, but it's one I'm drawn to, one you're drawn to, and it's a useful one. And then, then sometimes something surprising happens, you know? I, I thought it was interesting that the woman that I spoke about, the, um, about the dancing, came to you wondering what I was doing.
2: Well, she, she was wondering, and this I think this happened to a lot of people at the Cape Cod retreat, and it was a retreat. Um, people wanted to know what it was, you know, with the capital I, what is it? That's what they wanted to know.
0: Yeah, uh, And like one of, the, one of the people there who was a very traditional psychoanalyst, a beautiful person came to me at one of the breaks and said, I, I don't know what's happening to me. And, you know, we talked further, but it was a beautiful moment of, she was mm. being, Rest in something that she was unfamiliar with,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. and this this is what inquiry is for, yeah. yeah. And thanks for your beautiful support during that retreat and all the ways that you you did that. Thank you for your continuous practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's voice the uh, four practice principles then, in reminding ourselves of. Uh, 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 this this, uh, this practice direction we're going. (laughs) Caught in the self-centered dream only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream. Each moment life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream
1: You, Flint and thank you everyone for your loving presence. Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity and your support makes a huge difference. There's a link for contribution on the website and I'll pay, uh, post it here in the chat. You can um, give directly to M- Appamata in general or for Flint or for the other teachers. And thank you so much for being here and I will now hand it over to Maria. Good day.